Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I wanted to give you the biblical perspective of God saying no. You know, there's a lot of weird ideas about that. You know, well, I didn't get my prayer answered, so God must have known better. He must have said no. There's a good chance that's not true. Because we, the Lord invites us to pray not to tell us no. <laughs> right? Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. Yeah. He said, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. Yeah. How simple is that? Isn't that beautiful? But this kind of religious nonsense has, it comes in and clouds our thinking. It clouds our judgment. It makes us feel insecure when it comes to God and when it comes to, pray, to praying. Well, I just got to make sure. Whenever you pray, make sure you pray the will of God. Of course, you can't know what the will of God is. Because it's past finding out. Well, I'm confused, sir. I'm or ma'am. Uh, <laughs> I don't think a woman talks like that, though. <laughs> anyway, um, but it's like okay. So you're telling me one thing, and then you're telling me that you're not giving me any assurances. But Jesus gave nothing but assurances. He wants us to bring everything. Come boldly before the throne of grace, that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. So there are places in the Scripture where God says no. But as I read over it, I, I mean, this, just studying this series out, it just it made me even more sure in my relationship with the Lord, seeing just how on our side our God is. He is so on your side. Uh, how on our side is He? I'm glad you asked. He's so on your side that He gave us His Son. To die for our sins. Now that's some love. I'd give anything, but I wouldn't give my son. Maybe one of my daughters. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not going to name names. But I certainly wouldn't give my grandkids. Ever. I might give my son now that I have grandchildren. Yeah, I might. No. Um, but I wouldn't do that to show my love for somebody, but God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's extraordinary. That's a love that's outside of my scope. It's outside of my kind of willingness as far as love goes. But God was willing. God was willing because he loved us and he gave us Jesus. And so being that God would give him us Jesus, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, how will he not with him freely give us all things? So all the promises of God, the Bible says, are in Christ Jesus, what? Yes, and amen. But there are places in the scripture where God says no. But what I found out is when he's saying no, he's actually trying to get you into a yes. No longer will your name be Abram, but from now on it's going to be Abraham. In other words, your life is getting bigger. I'm expanding your whole world. So you are no longer going to be li living a limited kind of existence. I'm the God of more than enough. It's the first time God introduced himself as El Shaddai. The all-sufficient sustainer, the God of more than enough. And by the end of that meeting, Abraham's name got bigger. If you're the God of more than enough, and now he says, you're not going to just be called father. Now you're a father of the world. Yeah. He, hadn't had, he didn't have one kid. God's telling him all this nonsense, right? <laughs> Seemed like nonsense in the moment. It's like, Lord, I, you know where I live, right? right. <laughs> you're saying all this, but uh, if you looked around in my circumstances, they're nothing like what you're saying. None of this is adding up to what you're saying. Oh, but it did. When he believed in the Lord. Got to believe him. But here in Isaiah 43, verse 10, it says, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know 
and believe me and understand that I am he. Watch this. Before me, there was... Help me. No other? Oh, it's not on the screen. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had it memorized. I'm just kidding. Before, all right, never mind. Uh, before me, there was no God formed. There it is. Before me, there was, let's say those three words, no God formed, nor shall there be after me. All right? When God says no here, here's what he's saying. And you can write this down if you want to. There was and is and will always be only one God. There was, there is, and will always be only one God. Now, why is that important to know? Well, that's very important for us to know. You know, this, this truth is essential even in the Jewish culture, so essential that they, there's a, a, a prayer that they pray called the Shema, S-H-E-M-A, Shema. Everybody say Shema. Shema. And, and, and it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 where it opens up, verse 4, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. So here's where they, uh, it, it's an affirmation, this Shema of God's singularity and his kingship. It's the centerpiece of the daily morning and evening prayer services. And there are many who believe that it is the most essential prayer in all of Judaism. When I was a student at Christ for the Nations, um, we had a professor there by the name of Dr. Dwayne Weiss. And every day at class, he would start the class by saying, let's sing the Shema. And we'd all say, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. And that's what it is. It's, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's interesting to know that he is one God, and yet he is three. He is three in one. There's a plurality to God as well, being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a bit mysterious, isn't it? You know, people say, well, how do you explain the Trinity? I just go with it. (laughs) I go go with it just like I kind of go with how we're made up. We're made up of a spirit, soul, and body, right? And yet we are one singular individual, but yet three parts. If I were to ask you what part of the egg was the egg, the shell the white or the yellow, you would say it all is the egg. It's not one plus one plus one equals three. It's one times one times one equals one. It's the oneness of God. It's the triuneness of God. And and we see a picture of actually the Trinity aspect of God, the three and one in Matthew chapter three and verse 16. Now, y'all don't, where are the pent up amens? Thank you. All right. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16 says, when he had been baptized, talking about John is just, John the Baptist baptized Jesus here. Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. So we have two, as- two aspects of the Godhead here, right? We have the son who's standing in the water, just came up out of the water and Jesus is seeing the Holy Spirit alighting on him like a dove. The Bible didn't call the spirit a dove. It says that he lit upon Jesus, right? Like a dove. Um, but, you know, back in the day when uh, the churches, especially Spirit-filled churches, were, you know, making their church logos, a lot of times it was a dove on fire. <laughs> we a Holy Ghost church. But and he's not really a dove, but he kind of floats around like one. But then, 
And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. Well, that ain't the son talking because that'd be weird. It's not the spirit talking because that would be weird calling him his son. This has to be the father. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. All that right there in that moment, there's Jesus, the Holy Spirit descending upon him and the father speaking from heaven. Isn't that amazing? There is one God. There is one God. There is no, and the reason it's so important for us to understand that and to know that as Christians, and I know that you know this, but it's important to know why you know it. Why it's important. Why is this important? Because there are lots of cults out there, a lot of other religions out there that try to lead us from this truth. You know, there's, there's pantheism. Pantheism is God is in everything. Well, what an easy thing to say. Come on, that's like the laziest religion ever. God's in everything. I'm done. I'm going home. But then there's, and, and you know, but there is an aspect of truth to that though, because God created everything, right? So there is a part of him in everything, but it doesn't make that God. God is love, but love is not God. <laughs> but then there's Islam and Islam believes in the singularity of God. They believe in one God. These are, the, these are the, the descendants of Ishmael, who was the son of Abraham, but the slave son of an, uh, of an Abraham. <laughs> there's an Abraham, and then there's a... Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Thank you. You were with me. <laughs> All right. Um, but here's their slogan, though. There is one God, and he has no son. Oops. Ooh, uh-oh. Yeah, that's... So that's not even the same, close to Christianity, right? So we can't put these two in the same category because one fully accepts and believes the son, the other one totally denies the son. And then there's Mormonism. Mormonism uh, believes that Elohim, God the Father, and Elohim is the, the Hebrew name for him, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the, the Hebrew word Elohim. Let us make man in our image. This is Elohim talking, okay? Um, so they say that Elohim had a father. And Elohim's father had a father. And before that, there was another God, and there was another God. And so, and then someday there will be more gods. But Isaiah kind of says no to that, doesn't it? <laughs> hmm? There was no God before me. And there ain't going to be a God after me. All right. So that's why we need to know God as one. There is one God. And he has a son. (laughs) This God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Can I get a good amen? There was and is and will always be only one God. I'm grateful for that. And then look at verse 11 of Isaiah 43. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. Oh, that, that, that really narrows it down even more, doesn't it? So now we understand that there's one God, but then there's only one salvation, too. And He, the only God, is the only one that can save us. See, this is what cancels out, really, basically any other belief system in the world when it comes to God. Um, people have their belief systems. You know, and there's a common idea that all roads lead to God. I don't disagree with that. They don't all lead to heaven, but they all do lead to the the judgment seat of God. You're right. (laughs) They're all all going to stand before God, but only one of those roads takes you to eternal life. Actually, Jesus said it like this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. See, all these other things are going to God, 
but the believers in Jesus are going to the Father. Woo, isn't that good? He's not just the great God in the cosmos, the big guy in the sky, the man upstairs. No, he is our heavenly Father. Hmm? And so that's, that's, this is what separates then Christianity from really all other religions, and it's called grace. Hmm? It's called grace. No other religion has grace. They all have a merit system. Do good, do good, and kind of build your merit system so that you can have a good afterlife, so that you can come back as a horse instead of a frog, you know, <laughs> whatever. No, no, this, this is not a merit system. This is, we were dead in our sins. This is what Christianity teaches us. But God took it upon himself because he could be the only one who could save us because we are all born in sin. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate that. Now, because of that one man's sin, the, the Bible says death came to all men. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a born sinner. And that's why we needed help. We couldn't save ourselves. Dead people can't resurrect themselves. Unless that dead person is Jesus. Huh? And he can resurrect. Only he can do that. And only he has the power to save us. Uh, I, I told our 930 service, I can remember having this conversation with this guy one time and, and talking about this very thing, the need for Jesus as our Savior, that you can't save yourself. He, there's, there's no, he's like, yeah, but Jesus, if, if he is who he said he was, it God, Jesus, the Son of God? Well, yeah, it's easy for him to not sin. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a disadvantage, isn't it? You come down, and he could go through all that. I said, okay, but why is that a problem for you? Why is that a problem for Jesus to do what he did and for you to, your need to trust in him? And if you're drowning, if you've been swept out in the ocean somewhere, do you want somebody that can swim just about as good as you to come to your rescue? Or do you need somebody who knows how to swim? Huh? We couldn't do it. God's the only one that could save us. And man, could he swim. Huh? Amen. He pronounced the judgment. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But then he carried out the sentence of his own judgment. And God laid on Jesus, the Bible says, the iniquity of us all. All of our straying, all of our wrongdoing. God said, Jesus, this is your fault. And Jesus gladly took the blame for it. Took it all upon himself so that we could have grace. Grace is better than merits. Grace is unmerited favor from God. Grace is not getting you what you deserve. Grace is you getting what God wants you to have. And he loves you so much. And he wants you to have all of him. And he wants all of you. Amen. God is the only one who can save us. In, in Acts chapter 4, the apostles said it like this, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no, everybody say, no other name. No other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The very first Gentile convert, in Cornelius, is in the book of Acts chapter 10. And Peter said to them, whoever, through his name, whoever believes on him, through his name, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. And upon hearing that gospel, they got saved. They were saved. Whew, wow, what an amazing thing. Peter said, God purified their hearts by faith because we didn't, we didn't even get to pray the sinner's prayer and they still got saved. I don't know how that's possible. Messed up our whole system, our whole religious system. His name is Jesus, but they knew him in the scriptures as Joshua. 
through Greek transliteration, we know him as Jesus. But the Jews all knew him as Joshua the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Joshua the Messiah. And the reason God wanted his son named after Joshua instead of Moses is because Moses took them into something. Mo, Mo, I, mean, I mean, Joshua took them into something. Moses took them out, right? Moses took them out of bondage. But Joshua delivered them into promise. That's why God wanted his son named Joshua so that you, every time you say the name of Jesus, you're reminded that he's the one that has saved you. He's your savior. He's your great deliverer. Amen. And he wants you thinking about more. Listen, what you've been brought into than what you've been brought out of. Hmm? Come on, you've heard that testimony, right? You've heard the testimony. Somebody's like, well, we're going to have Dr. Smell Fungus here tonight, and he's got this story. I want you to hear his testimony. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I was in uh, uh, a gang, and I raped this, and I shot this, and I killed this, and I stabbed that, and I snorted this, and I smoked this, and I drank this, and I did this, and, that, and then Jesus saved me. He can save you too. And people are like, what a powerful testimony. What's so powerful about that? What about what you've been brought into? What's happened since the dark ages? Since you've been brought out of the darkness and into his light. See, it's not about what we've been brought out of. It's about what we've been brought into. We've been brought into such a great salvation. Amazing grace. Amen. Been brought into every good thing from God. All of you have a powerful testimony. You were dead. Now you're alive in him. Hallelujah. That's about as powerful as it gets. And you are right now, think about this, you're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Oh, man. And so eternally alive right now. The moment you become born again, you become one spirit with God, the Bible says. Eternally alive right now. So when do you have eternal life? Right now or when you get to heaven? Yeah. The answer is yes. And verse 13, let's finish with this. Are you still with me? Yeah. Isaiah 43, 13. Man, it's so good to hear your voices. Indeed, before the day was, I am he. So what God is saying is, before there was time, I, I am he. In the beginning, God. And there is no one, watch, who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who will reverse it? Did you catch that? There is no one who can deliver out of my hand. Because he's the Savior, right? So there is no one who can deliver. He's the deliverer, but there's no one who can deliver you out of the greatest deliverance. Got to catch this. I work, and who will reverse it? Jesus said it like this in John 10, 29. Mm -hmm. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. This is called a grip call, a grip of grace. Oof. The truth that we learn from this is God's work of salvation is irreversible. Thank you for one amen. We should have been dancing in the streets all of a sudden. You know, when I talk like this, I get people kind of go, hmm. You sound like I got one saved, always saved. Well, how many times you got to get saved? <laughs> Jesus died once for all. So then he saves 
Once for all. Okay, all right. You might not like me right now, but I'm, I'm going to help you, okay? Oh, you're slipping over into that greasy grace, Pastor Eric. That sloppy agape. I know, I've heard all of that. I've been accused of all that junk. It's so dumb. All right. We, because, listen to me, we see throughout the Scriptures, the reason it's important for us to know this is because we know that God has changed His mind before. He has reversed His thinking on something. Did you know that? Remember when He met Abraham? Actually, in, in Genesis chapter 18, it says that, that after, they meet, after they ate, I mean, Abraham fixed God dinner first. He had a, a calf uh, prepared, a fatted calf which was, you know, when God shows up, you want to give him the best thing you got, right? And God shows up to eat at your house, and God showed up with those two angels. And I also love it, too, because God ate beef. He's not a vegan. He ate beef. Just a thought. Anyway. So after they have this meeting, then God turns to the angels, and he says, should I hide from Abraham that I'm about to rain down hell, fire, and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah? And Abraham says, what's this? What are you going to do? Are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? Far be that from you. Should not the judge of all the earth do right? Can you imagine talking to God like that? And God didn't say, I strike thee. <laughs> no. He said, all right, Abraham, what you got? And Abraham said, if there are 50 righteous, would you destroy the city for 50 righteous? And God said, no, I won't do it for 50 righteous. He said, but how about 45? How about 30? How about 20? Yeah, it reminds me of that Jewish kid who came to his dad. He said, Dad, can I have 20 bucks? He said, $10. What do you need $5 for? <laughs> it's, he learned this from Abraham because this is where it's happening right here. He said, how about 15? He said, how about 10? And he gets to 10, and God says, I won't destroy it if there are only 10 righteous people. And I think if Abraham would have said one, God's, God's answer would have been the same. But Abraham's the one who stopped the negotiating. And you know what? There weren't even 10 righteous but God still made sure that those angels got Lot's family out of there. Now, his wife, she just shouldn't have looked back. So she lost her life. But Lot and his two daughters made it out of there. And God was still merciful because he heard Abraham say, shouldn't the judge of the earth be right? So God changed his mind because he was going to wipe the whole place out. And then a man interceded. And then there's Moses who's interceding for them. He's up on the mountain with God. And God says, stand back. And Moses is like, what are you mad about, God? I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but it's kind of like this. Why is your anger so hot? He said, they built a golden calf. He said, I'm going to destroy all of them. And, I'll, and, and you and I, I'll just start with you. And then Moses says, God, you can't do that. What's, what's this going to look like to the Egyptians that you brought them out with all of these signs and wonders only to kill them in the desert? You know what the Bible says? It says, God repented. Okay. Then there's Nineveh, Jonah, and the whale. And Nineveh, God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and give a message. And there's a reason why Jonah fled, the reason he didn't want to go. And this, was, and this was the one, it wasn't just the message he was preaching. He learned something about God. The message he was supposed to preach was this. It's a very short sermon. In 40 days, this whole place is going to be destroyed. That's like that. A prophet of God showed up to your town and that's all they had to say. In 40 days, this, this place is going to be destroyed. He didn't say, but if you turn to God, you know, he'll have, not, that was not part of the sermon. There's no hope in this sermon. It's all destructions coming in 40 days. That's it. You see, Jonah knew that, that, that God was going to change. He knew it. And you know what? It says the people believed God 
And God repented. He changed and spared them. And this is what ticked off Jonah. He says, now, thanks God, now you make me look like a false prophet. I knew this is what you were going to do. That's why I ran. You see him change his mind. Even Jesus himself. His mother says, they don't have any wine. He says, it's not my hour. She says, whatever he says to do, do it. Okay, fill the water pots. He changed his mind. It, how does it go from not being his hour to his hour? Because she believed and it changed. It's not good that I give you, Gentile woman, what belongs to the children of Israel, to the children of Abraham. It's not right that you get that. And here a little bit later, he's going, you can have it. You can have whatever you want. Well, how, well wait, wait a second, Jesus. You just said it wasn't good. Hmm? He's changing his mind. But this work of salvation, he says, Ain't no changing my mind on this. I work, and no one can reverse it. Because the work is so thorough. The work of his son's sacrifice, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for our sins has completely and utterly eradicated sin in its power. And the judgment has been satisfied. The wrath of God is satisfied in his son. If he decides, no, nah, I'm going to reverse that. I'm going to change my mind. Guess what? He goes from an just God to an unjust God. But he's not going to do that. It's impossible for God to lie. And the scripture says that he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Think about that. He has perfected, uh, Hebrews 10, 14. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So th that's talking about us. We're in process right now. We are being sanctified, but we're also perfected forever. How did that happen? Well, can I give you a little uh, uh, theolo theology lesson right quick before we leave? Yeah. Let's say these words together. Justification. Justification. Sanctification. Sanctification. Glorification. Glorification. All right. All those have to do with every part of us being saved. Justification, that is where our spirit is saved. We were saved. Justification. It's just as if I had never sinned. Justified. Sanctification is the salvation of the soul. This is where we are consecrating ourselves to God. But he who began the good work, he will be faithful to complete it. And then there's glorification, the salvation of the body. But the, the rub, if you will, right now is that you are a justified spirit living in an unglorified body. And so sometimes it can be confusing for how you identify yourself. Sometimes when you do bad things, you think, I'm a bad person. But as, as a believer, you are a justified spirit. You're living in an unglorified body. Don't get that mixed up. The body hasn't been glorified. It don't want to please God. You can do everything you can. I mean, you, every day it's going to be in at, at friction with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be in contradiction to the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know who you are, you're going to feel well, like a real messed up Christian. Some days going to be good. Some days going to be bad. I'm talking about in the way you feel about your relationship with God. Because if you do something wrong, you start thinking, oh, my God, I'm terrible. No, 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 no. You're the right person. That flesh is what's terrible. Paul said, I find a law that evil's present with me, the one who wants to do good. I can't find that effort in my flesh. It doesn't want to please God. But in my inner man, I want to please God with everything in me. Why? Because our spirits are joined to the Lord. 
The righteousness that we have is not the righteousness that we earned. It's the righteousness that was gifted to us by God. Our righteousness is his righteousness. Woo! His righteousness is our righteousness. Amen. And so we've received this righteousness and we've been made right with him. So now we can have this assurance. Nobody's going to snatch me out of his hand. And what this work of salvation that he did can't be reversed. So what do you do? Live like hell, man. No, that's not the answer. But I told our earlier service, I said the, the, the legalistic preacher has a hard time with the news being this good. Those that are bound up in some religion in their life, they have a hard time. So they have to find, now I'm not saying that you just go out there and live however you want. No, no, no. See, what they're doing now is identifying you as the flesh, that you've got the wrong desires. But the one who knows the word and the one who knows who they are, you are the one with the right desire. Church, if we would get so free in this, then we could truly live how we want to and the flesh wouldn't get in the way. But we got an identity, identity problem. And Paul says, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh any longer. We're free from that. We're better than that. Wow, what a God. What a Savior. What a salvation. Hmm? Why don't we just stand for just a moment? And let's just offer him thanks in this moment. Let's offer him thanksgiving. The Bible says that the sacrifice, think about how thoroughly it's, it's done, that the sacrifice that God requires from us is don't listen to rock and roll. No, that's not it. No, I think he likes rock and roll. No, it's the fruit of our lips giving thanks. Now, does that feel like a sacrifice to you? Thank you, Lord. Oh, my God, that just kills me to say that. No, the work's done. It's so thoroughly done, our sacrifice is to thank you and to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices to him. Come on, just, let's bless him. Just with your mouth, with your voice. Bless his name. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and be glad. And then he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me out of all my fears. There is no lack or want for those who trust in him. You will not lack any good thing because you believe on the Lord who is on your side. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. There was, there is, and there always will be only one God. God is the only one who can save us. Mm. God is the only one, think about that, who can save us. And God's work of salvation is irreversible. Thank you, Lord. If you're here in this service, and I want to talk to you that, that are at home as well, online. If you need healing in your body, I want you to just raise your hand where you are. And even if I can't see you at home, just raise your hand. We're going to just, by faith, reach out to the Lord. Father, thank you right now. 
you see these that are in need of healing, whether that's some physical or mental pain, whether that's some kind of sickness or disease or whatever it is, you sent your word and you healed them and you delivered them from their destruction. So we thank you for it now. By his stripes, they are healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. The work is finished. In the same afternoon, blood was shed for our forgiveness and for our sins. Stripes were laid on his back for our healing. And he's carried our sickness and disease and our pains and our sorrows and our griefs so that we could be healed. Thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. How about you're here today and you need some financial help? Right now, this this virus has brought some strain to you. Lord, I thank you right now. Your word says, my God shall supply all my needs. Not according to this earth's economy, but according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God doesn't need our economy in order for him to supply for us. He's got his own economy. Hallelujah. And he's, he's willing to give of it because of Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you right now for bringing in supply, for bringing in, God, for, for blessing um, with, with jobs, blessing with increase in pay. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for helping them with their bills. Lord, maybe some things that they're behind on. I thank you, Lord, for favor and grace upon them in the name of Jesus. Lord, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't be crushed under the weight of the burden. But, Lord, you said, here's my burden. You take it. Take my yoke. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Cast your cares on me. I'll take care of everything. So we give this to you in the name of Jesus because with God, all things are possible. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You're so good, God. We worship you and how good it is for us to be here today gathered in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. Now may the Lord bless you and may he keep you and may he cause his face to shine upon you and all of your house and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.